Podcastle, episode 439, for October 25th, 2016. That seriously obnoxious time I was stuck at Witch Romelda's 100th birthday party by Tina Connolly. Rated PG. Hello and welcome to Podcastle, your weekly spell of beguiling beldams and bewitching brews. I'm your co-editor and today's host, Jen Albert. Today's story is a treat, or perhaps a trick? It's perfect timing to share this story of witches, magic, and infinitely expanding inflatable pool toys just in time for Halloween. Halloween was always a big thing at my house. My dad set up our town's public Halloween display, so when Halloween night rolled around, we got to have all the props at our house. Flashing lights, smoke machines, full-sized monsters, spooky music blasting into the street. Half the kids didn't even want to come close, but I was totally into it. I wanted to be like those cartoony, wicked witches in our display. And I was, my sister and I donning matching wicked witch costumes one year. But wicked witching may not be for everyone, and I think today's story will help you see why. This story by Tina Connolly originally appeared on Tor.com and is the prequel story to her seriously wicked series of young adult novels. Podcastle's very proud to present that seriously obnoxious time I was stuck at Witch Romelda's 100th birthday party, written by Tina Connolly. Tina is the author of the Ironskin trilogy from Tor and the Seriously Wicked series from Tor Teen. The newest seriously novel, Seriously Shifted, releases November 1st. Her novels have been finalists for The Nebula and The Norton. Her stories have appeared on all four escape artists' podcasts and are now being collected in On the Eyeball Floor and Other Stories from Fairwood Press. She co-hosts at Escape Pod, narrates stories at Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Pseudopod, and right here on Podcastle. And you can find her at tinaconnolly.com. Your reader today is a brand new voice at Podcastle, and one we hope to hear again, Gina Freeman. Gina is a writer, comedian, and bioethicist based out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Earth, Solar System, Milky Way, Local Group, Virgo Supercluster, Observable Universe, Unobservable Universe. She loves science and art, and especially when the two collide. She also loves her work, which allows her to think scientifically while dreaming science fictionally. She writes plays for myriad festivals, contributes to a monthly feminist podcast and radio program, runs a weekly writer's room, and writes jokes for a local late-night comedy variety talk show. So sit back with your pet toad and grab your brew of choice, and enjoy the story. That Seriously Obnoxious Time I Was Stuck at Witch Romelda's 100th Birthday Party by Tina Connolly. Read by Gina Freeman. So, reason number 572 why living with a wicked witch sucks? Sometimes it's a gorgeous summer Saturday, and instead of getting a well-deserved break from Sarmine's weird witchy chores, like dusting the dried newts, you end up as an unpaid babysitter for a party full of little witches. I set out the plates and forks for the birthday cake while surveying the swimming pool full of witch kids. From up here, they looked like any small children having fun laughing and splashing and squealing and biting, except if you got close enough, you could hear them threatening to turn each other into frogs. Around me, Witch Sarmine and her nasty witch friends hovered around the pool like we were the first course at this birthday party. In a way, I suppose we were. 
My little girl's already hexing the mailman, cooed a witch with flame-red hair. You won't believe what she can do with some earwigs and a bit of pumpkin puree. The twins have grown out of earwigs, drawled a dark-haired witch. I mean, they're all right if you're not skilled enough yet to use squirrel droppings. My daughter wouldn't be caught dead with squirrel droppings, said the redhead. She has too much class. Ladies and token gentlemen, said a platinum blonde witch wearing a skimpy pink bikini. Please raise your glasses of fermented pixie juice. We are here to toast my precious mother, Romelda, who turns 100 today. Romelda? A bony witch, who looked about 150, nodded sourly to all of us from her plastic lounge chair, martini in hand. See, witches look the age they feel on the inside, and apparently Romelda was not happy with her current state of existence. Happy birthday to me, she slurred. Ain't life. Uh, all right, kids, everyone in the pool, trilled the blonde witch. The last couple of kids cannonballed in, splashing everything. My guardian, Saramine Scarabouche, moved closer to me, drink in hand. Alone among the witches, she was definitely not wearing a swimsuit, or even any sort of, heaven forbid, shorts. Her silver bob was untouched by the heat. Her eyebrows drew neatly into a point as she glared down at me. I wanted to get in that swimming pool about as badly as I wanted to get in a tank of sharks, but... Sarmine has a way of dealing out revolting punishments, like making everything I eat taste like Brussels sprouts dipped in horseradish, and if I wanted to live to see 10th grade in the fall, I'd better do what she asked. I set down the forks and slid into the water. The water felt good on the hot summer day. It would have been a lovely afternoon if there'd been anyone my age at the party. Oh, and if they weren't all witches. One of them bit me. Ready the pool, said the blonde witch. A pile of tiny inflatables shaped like octopi rained down upon us. They were muddy green, about the size of my palm. Oh, look at the cutie pies, said the little girl next to me. She was wearing solid pink, from her ruffled swimsuit to her pigtail bows, and looked about four. Such sweet baby little krakens. Watch out, I said. I blew at the one floating towards me. They may look like toys now, but you know what witches are like. That blonde witch has something unpleasant planned for us, I'm sure of it. That blonde witch is my mom, said the pink girl. Esmeralda. Ah, I said. Well, be warned. This is one of those awful, fake, pretend-it's-not-a-competition competitions, I can tell. Pink looked down her nose at me, an expression I had seen many times from my guardian. Of course it is, she said. Where's your pouch of ingredients? I don't have ingredients, I said back with as much scorn as I could muster for a pink glitter bomb. I am not a witch. She raised a skinny arm out of the water and displayed a waterproof pink pouch buckled to it. A pink wand with a giant star on the end was tucked inside. Sucks to be you, she said. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the witches ringing the pool, each one standing near her kid. Sarmine's familiar ice-chip glare froze my bones. She mouthed, Don't humiliate me. Esmeralda blew a dusting of some sort of powder over us. It looked like cinnamon and raised her wand. Release the krakens! The tiny pool inflatables came to life. Okay, maybe this wasn't going to be so bad. 
The little krakens were kind of cute, as Pink had said. Their menacing arm wavings were tiny and adorable. And then I looked closer. Surely that kraken had been the size of my palm before? Now it was definitely the size of a dinner plate. They're growing! shrieked one of the witch kids at the other end of the pool. I groaned. Here I was, minding my own business, and I was about to be boa constrictored by an oversized pool toy for the witch's amusement. Worst birthday party ever. I glanced over at my new friend. Young Pink was not as confident as she had pretended. She tossed a yellow powder at the kraken, pointed her wand, and pronounced some magic words with a wary, defiant look on her face. Nothing happened. Her face fell. She saw me watching and turned away, fumbling in her pouch as the kraken plumped larger and larger. I meant to do that, she mumbled. I felt bad for her, but I had my own gigantic kraken to deal with. It was now the size of an overfed house cat and was advancing, tentacles waving. And I had no magic. Didn't want to have magic. Never wanted to have magic. Okay, so it would have come in handy right about then. I waved my arms at the kraken and muttered, Chew! Abracadabra! Beat it! It kept coming. Across the pool, the other children were dispatching their own monsters and climbing happily out of the pool to their own applauding mothers. One had made his kraken super heavy. It sunk to the bottom of the pool in a small whirlpool of bubbles. As I watched, another turned hers into smoke, and it vanished. It was down to me and Pink, and each of her krakens was now the size of a Great Dane. An air-filled tentacle wrapped around my arm. Another grabbed my leg. My back was against the pool wall. I couldn't go any further. No more time to lose. Scrabbling around on the ground behind me, my fingers landed on a small chipboard box. Another tentacle found my neck. Choking, I pulled the box forward, straining to see what I was holding. The plastic forks. Forks scattered everywhere, bobbing up and down on the waves of the kraken-infested pool. I scooped up a handful and plunged them into the kraken, bearing down on me. Die! 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 I shrieked, stabbing at the inflated beast with a pile of plastic prongs. It shouldn't have worked. Except that the plastic had been stretched really thin as the mini-inflatable had become a giant monster. On the fifth, die! The prongs went all the way through, plunging me down into the water with the force of my blow. The kraken collapsed as the air wheezed out of it. I looked up in triumph. The witches were cackling behind their hands, and Sarmine was shaking her head in shame. Not how you're supposed to do it, as usual. I clambered out of the pool where Sarmine stood, arms folded. Why didn't you use the reversion spell I left out for you to study last week, she said. It would have sent the giant krakens right back to the witch who cast the spell. The ingredients were even right at hand. One blade of grass, one splash of chlorinated water, one... Wow, that sounds brilliant, I said, rolling my eyes. Sarmine never lets facts like my not having witch blood stop her from loading me down with witchy things to learn. She's so certain that if she just finds the one thing to get through to me, I'll magically <laughs> become like her and her loathsome witch friends and spend the rest of my life causing chaos wherever I go. Poor Pink was still facing down her kraken. She had managed to turn it blue and it was emitting a strong scent of skunk. She pulled out one last powder from her pouch. It was bright orange. You can do it, honey, called Esmeralda from the side of the pool. Pink looked up at her mother, and a nod passed between them. 
Pink sprinkled a pinch of the orange powder all over the Kraken and pointed her star wand, shouting confidently, Villacoo! The Kraken, which had been growing relatively slowly, gave a huge groan and doubled in size, then tripled. Then it was the size of the pool. Yep, squeaked Pink, and then I couldn't see her under the inflatable. Esmeralda squealed, My baby! She grabbed a pinch of something from her purse and sprinkled it on the giant Kraken flicking her wand and muttering words as she did so. There was a loud pop, and the kraken was no more. Esmeralda hoisted her little pink girl out of the water. Oh, my darling, she cooed. Did the wriggly thing almost get you? Mama helps. A disheartened pink shrugged off her mother's hands. She looked humiliated. The little dark-haired girl who'd been first to dispatch her kraken was presented with a prize of a necklace, strung with three leprechaun teeth. She looked ecstatic. One of the two male witches at the party clapped his hands for attention. Now, kids, the grown-ups have a lot to talk about. Run along to the pool house for a bit, before we bring out the cake. Camellia's in charge, kids, called the redhead. Try not to hurt her. The others laughed snidely, and my face flamed. Sarmine pretended not to hear them. I followed the troop of witchy ankle biters over to the pool house. It was pretty swanky. Fitted out with a big-screen TV and fluffy towels and a rock-climbing wall over the hot tub. Hanging from the ceiling were a couple dozen stuffed black bats. Grandmother's for old familiars, Pink explained as she tugged on her pink sundress. She saves them, if they haven't been, like, exploded or something. It did give the pool house that certain witchy je ne sais quoi. The gaggle of holy terrors ran for the rock-climbing wall, while Pink and I plopped down on a waterproof couch in front of the TV. She looked despondent. Cheer up, I said. I bet you're not the first little kid to lose that contest. Besides, you're what, four? You'll catch up with the others. Pink glared at me. I'm ten. Oops. Forgive me, I said. You look about four. I feel about four, Pink said glumly. Mom always tells me my spells are only as good as a preschooler's. She even snuck me that orange powder today. Though, technically, that's cheating. Her shoulders slumped. Not that it helped. It was supposed to shrink the kraken. I couldn't even do that right. And the powder was already prepared for me. Two of the children came wandering over from the rock-climbing wall. They had identical dark curly hair, and one was the little girl who'd won the teeth necklace. She sniffed. I never let someone else prepare my own powder, she said. How do you know what's in it? Must be nice to be perfect, muttered Pink. The little girl and her brother plopped down on the couch next to us. I'm Alejandra, and this is Alberto, she said to me. We're six, and I want to know what the grown-ups are doing, don't you? She unzipped a camo-patterned pouch on her thigh and began rifling through it for powders and spices. Yeah, I said. I watched Alejandra mixed ingredients with intense concentration. Her secret ingredient seemed to be a tiny glitter shaker. After she added a shake of that, she poked her wand in her palm and flicked a fistful of glittery stuff all over the TV. The swimming pool came into focus. Can you turn up the volume, I said. Alejandra looked at me pointedly. You're sitting on the remote. Oh. I dug it out from the couch cushions and unmuted the TV. Poor mother is in the dumps, Esmeralda was cooing. I mean, just... Look at her. It's her hundredth birthday, and she looks, well, about a hundred and fifty, piped the redhead. 
darling, said Esmeralda, patting her mother's hair. It's not you. It was that mean old librarian. The TV magically panned to a close-up of Remelda, who looked annoyed by both the anecdote and by her cooing daughter. Ugh, she's awful, I said. She's like the suburban mom from hell. She even gives witches a bad name. Again, that's my mom, said Pink. Ugh, right, sorry. Remelda's my grandmother, she said. The school librarian thought she was my great-grandmother. I can see how that would be upsetting, especially to my mom. She can't imagine herself as 25 if her mom looks 150. The strain is wearing on her. She even flipped out and started cussing the librarian, and she never does anything that tacky. The cracks are beginning to show. I watched the platinum blonde on the big screen as she told the same story that Pink had just told. She carried it off with a laugh, but when she got to the fatal words, great-grandmother, Pink was right. Her mask slipped just a little. She went from 25 to 70 and back again in a blink. So, you see, said Esmeralda, we need to cheer Remelda up. I propose we get back at this revolting librarian. Witches are always up for being nasty for no particular reason. The others lifted their martini glasses and cheered the blonde on. Well, except for Sarmine, who was a law unto herself. One silver eyebrow raised, and she said superciliously, Oh, come now, Esmeralda. This isn't about your mother. You just want to get your digs in. Excuse me, I forgot you weren't a real witch, said Esmeralda. Sarmine rolled her eyes. Forgive me if I save my powers for producing actual change in the world, not for retaliating against a librarian who truthfully pointed out the fact that you are older than dirt. Pfft, said Esmeralda drunkenly and dismissively. She looked around and her eyes lit on the banana bread Sarmine had baked for Romelda. We'll send her that, she crowed. An apology gift for my unkind words to her. Everyone, put your worst hex in it. She glared at the witches in turn. Remember, this affects all of us. Look at you poor women, worn down by thousands of microaggressions of people presuming you're aging. If not for those horrible people, you would all look like me. She smoothed her pink bikini. Well, more like me anyway. The witches crowded around the cake, cackling. I'm putting in toads, said one. Stingrays, said another. The screen went to a nice, wide-angle shot of all the witches closing in. This is terrible, wailed Pink. I like the librarian. Everyone likes her. She always lets me sit on the pink beanbag and read when I want to get away from the other kids. Are the other kids mean, I said. Pink sniffled. They think I'm weird. You know. I did know. A weird home life is just the sort of things the other kids pick up on. I've spent my whole life trying to hide that I live with a wicked witch. One slip-up like your mom delivering poisoned baked goods to everyone's favorite librarian and your life is shot. I couldn't do something about my own witch, but I could help Pink. I jumped to my feet. We won't let her destroy your life, I said. We're going to stop her. Pink just looked at me. My mom's embarrassed by me because my spells stink, in case you've forgotten, she said. And you're not even a witch. We've got eight more kids here whose spells don't suck, I said. I wheeled to face the room. 
Alejandra and Alberto had lost interest in the TV and had returned to the rock climbing wall. Several more kids were busy dunking one of the stuffed bats in the hot tub. Another two were compounding some sort of potion that smelled like rotten eggs. Hey, I said. Hey, all of you. The rotten eggs potion bubbled up in a gust of yellow. The bat started to disintegrate in the hot tub. Listen up, shrieked Pink. The kids' heads momentarily swiveled towards us. We're going to stop the witches from delivering that banana bread, I said. Why, shouted one of the kids. I like hexed bread, shouted another. It'll be fun, I said. See if you can get one up on your parents. Nuh-uh, said Alejandra. My mom likes to stick me on top of the chimney if I cross her. She went back to the rock climbing, using her brother's curly head for a stepping stone. Besides, today she's probably happy with me, she said over her shoulder. I won the pool party. You wouldn't have if you didn't steal my pepper, shrieked Alberto. Well, think of poor Pink, I tried. Can you imagine how much her life will suck if the other kids find out her mom's a wicked witch? Alejandra looked scornfully down at Pink. Why do you care what the other kids think, Pramila? You should be proud to be a witch. Pink and I just looked at each other. If we couldn't explain that, then there was no hope. I guess I'll just get used to being an outcast, said Pink mournfully. And I was just starting to make a friend or two. Nonsense. I scrunched up my nose, thinking. Time for all my years of babysitting to come into play. What was going to work on these little terrors? Well, I guess you're right, I said to Pink. It was a dumb idea. The witches are way too powerful for us. And way too clever, added Pink. She was quick. I can't imagine how we'd get the bad bread away from them, I said. You could do, like, a levitating spell said one of the kids in the hot tub. He clambered out of the water and dripped on our feet. I mean, if you were going to do it. I don't know how to do a levitation spell, I said. Duh, you don't know how to do any spells, said another kid. It's just rutabaga, parsley, and three ladybugs. Can you do that? I said to Pink. She shook her head mournfully. Everything I do comes out wrong. Anyway, we don't got rutabaga, said the first kid. Well, what do we have, I said. You guys have some powders there, and, and you each have a few spells you know how to do. A few, scoffed Alejandra. Well, start listing them, I said. Things that you can do that you have the ingredients for. A cacophony of voices rose up from the children. Make your pants so heavy they fall off. A pretend chair that looks like a real one so you fall through it. Annoying ringing noises from cell phone that you can't find and to turn off. Invisible pushpins on your chair. I nodded thoughtfully as the list of spells grew. I've got an idea. Ten minutes later, we were creeping up to the pool area. The witches were steadily getting more sloshed as they threw powders onto the loaf of banana bread. A pig nose! shrieked Esmeralda giggling. A thousand purple pimples! They seemed to have completely forgotten about calling us back for dessert. Romelda's birthday cake sat sadly by the pool, and Romelda herself looked grumpier than ever, unimpressed by the drunken horde. Okay, everyone have your pouch of ingredients, I said. Wands at the ready? My army of children flicked their wands out. Alejandra, you first. Go. Alejandra combined several things from her pouch and held it out to her brother to spit in. I must have looked grossed out because Pink gave me a shrug like, whatever works. Alejandra dipped her wand in her palm and flicked it over the pile of fluffy bath towels. 
They turned invisible. We each picked one up and draped it over ourselves. Excellent, I whispered. Now you, Alberto. Under cover of the invisible bath towel, Alberto snuck all the way up to the table that held the banana bread. Meanwhile, another couple of kids in their bath towels went around the other side of the pool. We waited, breaths held, until they had their spells. Super irritating cell phone rings started playing from the other side of the pool. While all the witches turned their heads to look, Alberto made an illusion of banana bread, an illusion of banana bread that looked exactly like the real one. It would only last a few minutes, but that was just enough time, I hoped. Alberto grabbed the real banana bread, covered it with his towel, and hurried back to us. Meanwhile, the twins' mom had gone to investigate the mysterious cell phones. One of them is my mom's ringtone, whispered Alejandra. We held our breaths, hoping she wouldn't stumble on the towel-covered kids, but she was stopping for a different reason. Ooh, Esmeralda, your daughter's exploded kraken is everywhere, she said. Can't you teach her how to master a basic shrinking spell? A uh, very drunk Esmeralda laughed. Oh, let me see. Did I give my snoogie woogums the wrong powder? I feel terrible. Several witches laughed. Cheating is considered fair play amongst witches, and this evidence of double cheating was even better. Pink and I just stared at each other. I gasped at the horribleness of it as Pink's eyes welled with tears. She deliberately gave me the wrong stuff. She wanted you to fail, I said, shocked. Across the pool, I saw Sarmine frown as she, too, was working this out. Pink, I whispered, you're part of her plot. Your mom wants you to stay little so she can stay young. She wants you to stay four. Pink's trembling lips set in a firm line. Her witchy side asserted itself. I am not taking this lying down, she said. She seized the hexed banana bread and motioned us over to the other end of the pool, where Romelda's birthday cake sat on a little rolling cart. She nodded to Alberto. Can you make the bottom of that cake heavy? She whispered. Very, very heavy. He nodded and, concentrating, mixed up a powder and inscribed a rectangle on the bottom of the cart under the birthday cake. It was just the size of the banana bread. He pointed his wand at it, and as we watched, the rectangle grew so heavy that a long crack ran right along it as if invisible hands were popping out a perforated section. It broke out of the cart. Alejandra shoved one of the invisibility towels under it as it thumped to the ground, dampening the sound. Some cake came with it, just about the right amount. Carefully, Pink wrangled the hex banana bread up into the hole of the birthday cake. Someone make it stay, she whispered at us. The twins looked at the table, considering... But that one I could do. I grabbed several paper plates and wedged them into place. Nothing like a little non-witchy ingenuity for saving the day. And one more for luck, Pink said fiercely. She pulled out the orange powder her mother had given her, the horrible orange powder that had made everything bigger and sprinkled it all over the white frosted cake. It sparkled like sugar crystals in the sun. We were just backing away from the birthday cake cart when I saw Sarmine looking our way. We were invisible, so she couldn't have seen us, right? Had she heard the bottom of the cart fall? Her eyebrows drew together and her lips pursed. I ran back to the kids, not a moment too soon. Esmeralda tipped back the last of our martini and made her way over to the birthday cake. She wheeled the cart up to her mother. A hundred today, but not a hundred forever, she said tipsily. We'll take care of you. We, said Romelda. 
And someone find a piece of foil for that banana bread, Esmeralda said. Boy, wouldn't I like to be there when she cuts into it. All those hexes activated at once. But Esmeralda shoved the knife into her mother's hand as she sang off-key. Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! When she cuts into it, my stomach sunk. All those horrible hexes were going to attack Romelda. Poor 100-year-old Romelda, whose only crime was being grumpy at her own birthday party. She hadn't added anything to the banana bread. She definitely didn't deserve pig pimples or whatever Esmeralda had been adding. Happy birthday, dear Imelda. Happy birthday to... I shook off the invisibility towel and ran for the cake. No! I began, and everything seemed to go in slow motion, the way those things do. My eyes met Sarmines across the way as I ran towards Romelda. She was raising the knife, looking for a good place to cut. Sarmine has a million faults, but being slow-witted is not one of them. Her eyes narrowed as she put two and two together, and realized what I had accomplished with the help of a pack of first-grade witches. Quicker than lightning, her fingers flashed into her fanny pack and combined several powders. Quicker than lightning, her other hand scooped up a splash of chlorinated water and added it to the pile. The wet powder flicked out on the cake. Sarmine's wand came down and she whispered some words. Nobody saw her. They were all focused on Romelda, with a couple of heads slowly turning to me in my no. Romelda's knife pierced the orange-dusted cake. The cake parted and out poured a stream of horrors. Romelda's eyes widened. Her martini-addled fingers fumbled for her pouch. And then she saw that none of the horrors were headed for her. A stream of purple pimples shot after Esmeralda. The skunk-smelling frogs hopped after the redhead. Giant green snakes rained down on the twins' mom. Witch after witch ran shrieking from the pursuing hexes. They were all too drunk to master any self-defense spells. And the things pursuing them were not little either. Aided by Pink's messed-up shrinking spell, the horrors got bigger and bigger as they pounced on the witches who'd created them. Esmeralda was a mass of disgusting purple boils from her platinum hair to her pink-polished toes. Romelda's wrinkled face slowly broke into a smile and then a grin. She fell over, howling large hoots of laughter. As she straightened up, I saw the years slowly fall away. A hundred and fifty, a hundred and twenty, a hundred, eighty. She stopped and stretched when she looked about a healthy and fit sixty, around the same age as Sarmine. Pramela, she said, and beckoned her granddaughter to her side. Pink was still holding the orange powder, which had clearly been dusting the cake. Did you do that? Well, Pink said. Romelda squeezed her granddaughter close. You're really turning into an excellent witch, you know that? This is exactly the kind of chaos that makes me feel there's a future for our family. The kind of well-deserved chaos, she said severely and looked very deliberately at her daughter, who was fighting off a six-foot banana slug. Pink breathed a deep sigh of pride. You think so? As we watched, her legs visibly lengthened. Her seams started popping at the shoulders. The four-year-old's pink dress was way too small for this ten-year-old girl. I know so, said Romelda. She stretched out her arms and studied her granddaughters at arm's length. You know, we'd better get you some new clothes, she said. 
You've completely outgrown that dress. I crossed over to where my guardian perched on her lawn chair. Sarmine was her usual stiff-backed, straight-mouthed self, yet her eyes glimmered with amusement as she surveyed the scene. I saw you with that potion, I said to Sarmine. You made all those hexes revert to their creators. I looked suspiciously at her. You know that was a rather nice thing to do. Nonsense, said Sarmine. I didn't want to get attacked by stray purple boils, is all. Such a bother. We sat back in our lawn chairs and watched the flurry of grown-up witches get chased by bats and slugs and bears and boils. The witch kids were eating the entire birthday cake, now cleared of its banana bread hexes. This might turn out to be a rather pleasant birthday party after all. And welcome back. This story is such a hilarious romp. Poor old Romelda, who's tired of witchy antics and just wants to be left to sip her martini. Little Pink, constantly dismissed and sabotaged by her own mother, but still giving her best. Cam, the lone non-witch at the witch's party, trapped in the midst of all the chaos. And the absurdly competitive and scarily familiar suburbanite witch moms, who thankfully all get theirs in the end. Of this story, and of her Seriously Wicked series, Tina says, This story is a prequel to my Seriously Wicked series, a lighthearted series about a girl who lives with a seriously wicked witch. In Seriously Wicked, Wicked Witch Sarmine is busy trying to take over the world when a demon gets loose and into the cute new boy in school. Now Cam's got to stop her mother and rescue the boy, while simultaneously taking care of the dragon in the garage and passing algebra. In Seriously Shifted, a trio of Sarmine's college witch friends, including the awful Esmeralda, return to wreak havoc on Cam's school, and again we find Cam rescuing some boys in jeopardy. One of the fun things about writing these books, Tina says. Seriously Shifted also sees some serious pondering about the ethics of love potions, also exploding cars. Seriously Wicked is available now from Tor Teen, and Seriously Shifted launches in just a few days on November 1st, but it's available for pre-order now. So go ahead and pick them up. You seriously won't regret it. Check out Tina's website for information on her books and her upcoming book tour. Links will be in the show notes. So what did you think of this story? Would you go to a witch's birthday party? Did you too picture Anna Camp as Mummy Dearest? Because I can't get that out of my head. Let us know on the forums. Now let's check out some episode feedback for 428, Madame Valide Elopes, by K.A. Turina. Translated by Anatoly Belilovsky, and coincidentally read by Tina Connolly. Reviews were mixed for this. Most commenters really liked the idea behind the story, the loop ending, and the narration, but some felt the middle of the story lacked some form. Monokori said, I love the idea behind this story. It reminds me of playing games like The Sims, where you have to buy hairstyles or clothing to flesh out your character in the way that you want. Looping back to the beginning was clever, too, and not in a petty way. I love the idea of stepping into a canvas, and it makes me wonder about how different our worlds could be if we could step into paintings like The Last Supper, The Mona Lisa, or The Scream. And Blinking said, I liked the premise of being able to buy all the smiles. That kind of magical realism is quite up my alley. I found my mind was wandering towards the end, and then popped back into focus just at the end, as it looped back around to the beginning. Deranged Mind agreed, saying, My attention wavered at the end of the story as well. 
I loved the narration of the story. Unfortunately, the story itself had a hard time keeping my attention. Trish E.M. was surprised by the other comments, saying, Huh, I'm surprised by the other readers' reactions. I really liked the ending, the way that while she had been painting her dream man, in the alternate universe, he had been writing stories of his dream woman. I was very satisfied with how it turned out. Thanks to everyone who commented. Stop on by the forums at forum.escapeartist.net and let us know what you thought of today's story. And so, on behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, our forum moderators Talia and Aussie Cat, our audio producer Peter Wood, our associate editors Arun Jiwa, Setsu Uzume, Christiana Vermeller, Troy Wiggins, Aiden Doyle, Crystal Claxton, Matt Dovey, and Raj Gopal, our assistant editor Khalida Muhammad Ali, and your co-editors Graham Dunlop and myself, Thank you for stopping by and sharing this story with us. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is Jen Albert reminding you to never accept baked goods from witches, unless purple pimples come back into style. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated. It's released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Share it all you like, but don't change or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. To find out more about them, check out their website at www.shiva-in-exile.de. We rely on you to keep our air castle in flight. How do you think we stay aloft? With your help, of course. You can make a regular donation for as little as $2 a month, or make a one-off donation of any amount. You can set up donations at the Podcastle website. Go to podcastle.org and find the Support Us section down the right-hand side. If you can't donate, that's just fine. You can help us by telling others about Podcastle. Blog about us, tweet about us, like us on Facebook, or leave us a shiny five-star review on iTunes. Any way you can think of to help spread the word will help us immensely. Our closing quote comes from Terry Pratchett. Witches were a bit like cats. They didn't much like one another's company, but they did like to know where all the other witches were, just in case they needed them. And what you might need them for was to tell you, as a friend, that you were beginning to cackle. <laughs>